this on? Can you hear me okay out there? Little by little? <laughs> okay, okay. Good morning. I uh, uh, just want to welcome you to West Covina Christian Church this morning. If you can take out your program, it's great. We'll just uh, touch on a few things here. Before we get into today's message, I'd like you to pull out your connection card, the blue card in your program, and if you would, uh, go ahead and fill it out, okay, provide any information uh, that you'd like, and any questions or comments. If you're new to our church, or if this is your first time here, we want to welcome you, especially, and we'd like to get to know you, and the connection card is, is, is our way of uh, knowing that you're here today and getting a little bit of information, contact information uh, on you. So if you would please fill it out, and then you can just leave it on, on your pew. And the ushers will pick it up after service. Um, as far as the announcements, uh, I'm not really going to cover any announcements. I just want to let you know that they're on the back of your program. And I like that the announcements, most of them, they... I think all of them have a contact person. If you have any questions or if you see something interesting, um, please go ahead and reach out to that, to that person. Um, <clears throat> the pastors aren't uh, here today, so um, we're flying solo without our pastors. Pastor Corey is on vacation still till the end of the month, and, and Pastor Rick and Andrew, Pastor Rick and Amy and Andrew are in Hawaii lucky them, for a, for a um, pastor's meeting, I think a pastor's meeting and some uh, Hawaii church conference stuff associated with our, uh, our holiness conference, okay. Um, so this morning, if you could you pull out your insert, and I see that the, uh, the screen wasn't working, right? Um, so we apologize for that, for the worship songs and, uh, you know, the slides that I have, um, so uh, you'll just have to listen, okay? Um, this morning we're going to cover a topic that is, I think that is, it's pretty basic to why we come to church, why many of us come to church at least, why we pray, why we read the Bible, and that is our God view, okay? It's how we view God, and that's to say that if you believe God exists, and, and I know most of you do, what do you think he's like? How would you describe him? How does he interact with us and with our world? Um, I think today's topic will be both exciting and I think it will be, both, it will be challenging as well. We're going to talk about some things that may stretch your understanding of who God is. And we may even discuss some things that are completely new to you. My prayer in all of this is that we will be open open to whatever God would have for us this morning, and that his Holy Spirit will speak to us. Um, at the top of your message insert, I ask the question, how would you describe God? <clears throat> and I left a little space, just a little bit of space for you to answer. So if you could, humor me, just take out something to write with, and I'm going to give you a minute. Write just a few characteristics or attributes. You know, no long thesis or essays, just a few characteristics that you think of, okay, when you think of God. Go ahead and do that, and, and 
and we'll pray in just a minute. Let's pray. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you that you have given us this time, Lord, on Sunday mornings to come and to gather together to see our friends and our family, to, um, uh, to fellowship with one another, but most of all, Lord, to seek you, to learn from your, your word, to learn from each other, and to really, Lord, come before you and seek to know you better, to worship you, to give you honor and praise. Uh, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. You would speak to each person here, uh, wherever we're at, Lord, through the difficulties of life, uh, through the struggles we're having, just through the doubts that we even have. Uh, I pray that you would speak to us. You would minister to us, for you are, um, you are real. You're awesome. Lord, we, we pray that you would... Um, you would be here with us this morning. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So with the question that I ask, I don't know if you jotted anything down. Um, I wanted you to just think about how you perceive God, right? And actually kind of articulate it. What do we think of when we worship, when we sing like we were? How do we relate to him in our daily lives? Now, we can never fully understand God. Right? I think that's pretty, um, pretty obvious. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 12 and 13 says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breath of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? So obviously, right? No one. It's a rhetorical question. No one, no one is like God in size, in scale, in wisdom and character, and therefore no one can fully understand him. But I think as we'll see in Scripture this morning. God does reveal himself to us in different ways. And how we see him, how we understand him, is key. Hey, it's working. <laughs> it's key to our lives. Um, so our God view, it's key to our lives. Pastor and theologian A.W. Tozer writes this. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most portentous fact about any man is not what he at a given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. So what comes into our minds when we think about God, he says, is the most important thing about us. Why is that? 
How can that be, right? Because it determines how we answer life's most important questions. Does God really matter? Does he matter at all? Does he love us? What is our purpose here on earth? Let me give you some general examples of a person's God view and how it may affect their lives. God is distant and uncaring. That's how some people think of God. Right? That's how may, you may think of God. They think that even if he exists, it doesn't really matter. He's irrelevant. Life is what we make of it. Okay, some people think that way. How about this? God is like my earthly father. His love and approval seem conditional. Do I do what he says? Sometimes I don't know if he really understands me or cares. Last example, God is a taskmaster. He's all about the rules, all about the do's and the don'ts. Where's the joy in that? These are just a few examples of how how some people view God. Wrongly, wrongly I might add. But you can see the effect it has on them, how they live their lives. While we will never fully understand God, he does reveal himself to us. So that means that we should never stop growing. And we should never stop learning and growing in our understanding and our knowledge of him. But it's a process. It takes time. As we grow in our relationship with the Lord, he reveals more of himself to us. For some of you, you may feel like church, coming to church on Sundays, or Christianity itself, is boring. Right? It's, it's boring because you've heard it all before. You know, we come up here, somebody speaks, somebody teaches, and, and you feel like you've heard it all before. After years of church, there's nothing new. God loves me. Jesus died for my sins. I'm to trust in him for my salvation. And as wonderful as those things are, okay, it's old news to you. You've heard it a million times. It doesn't stir you anymore. Well, this morning I want to tell you that the Christian faith is more than that. It is much more than that. Okay, it's much more dynamic than we think of it than we often think of it. And it begins with God himself. So we'll take a look at God, right? God is awesome. God is awesome. The word awesome is probably one of the most overused overused words in our culture today. Right? Like, dude, that's awesome. That trip was awesome. That burrito was awesome. (laughs) Um, Everything is awesome. That sounds pretty catchy, huh? Everything is awesome. We can't almost appreciate what the word means anymore. It's a great description of God, though. Okay, when we walk it back and we understand, when you actually look up the definition, it means overwhelming, breathtaking, remarkable, amazing. What, God, what makes God awesome or amazing? What are his characteristics, his 
his defining attributes. Maybe there's some of the things that you jotted down okay, at the top of your program. Those things you jotted down earlier. But here, let me give you four attributes, just four from Scripture, which I believe are part of our, uh, should be a part of our God view. Now let me preface this by saying, no words can truly describe God. Okay, in Exodus 3.14, Moses asked God who he is. And God says, I am who I am. Right? No words can describe him. Anything he says would be short of who he truly is. But let's, give a few char- let's go over a few characteristics. First, God is holy. <clears throat> that means that he is set apart. He stands alone above all things. It also means that he is pure, he is perfect, and he is complete. 1 Samuel 2.2 says, There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. I think that's a great verse. Psalm 96.7-9 says, Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory do his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. God is holy. Second, God is eternal. Okay, this means he exists outside time and space as we know it. Right? Pretty cool. He's not bound by any of the human constraints that we know. This is, I think truly this is impossible for us to comprehend. It speaks to how vast, how how big God is. Psalm 90, 1 and 2 says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Third, God is sovereign. He is supreme in power and authority. He is in control. There's nothing that happens that is outside of his influence and authority. And he acts of his own accord. Daniel 2, 20 and 21 says, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. Later in Daniel 4, 34 and 35 says, His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? So God is holy. God is eternal. 
God is sovereign. And the last is God is love. His nature of one of care and compassion, okay, especially for his people. Psalm 86.15 says, But you, Lord, are compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. 1 John 4, 7, and 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. These are just some defining attributes, I'd say, of God, that he is holy, eternal, sovereign, and love. But it's not comprehensive. Okay, this list is not comprehensive. I'm sure you wrote down other things. You can think of other things. Like God is, um, like God is good. Right? His, he's good. He's merciful. He's majestic. And though we may have been taught that God has many attributes, okay, one of the things I'd like to address this morning is our tendency to oversimplify God to think about him in only one way. I I think a story that illustrates this well is a story, it's a Hindu fable, and it's called The Blind Man and the Elephant. Let me read several verses from this. The Blind Man and the Elephant. This is a, it was made into a poem by John Godfrey Sachs. It's in Old English too, so it's uh, just try and understand. It says, it was six men of Indostan, to learning much inclined, who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. The first approached the elephant, and happening to fall, against his broad and sturdy side, at once began to bawl. God bless me, but the elephant is very like a wall. The second, feeling of the tusk, cried, ho, what have we here? So very round and smooth and sharp, to meet his mighty clear, this wonder of an elephant is very like a spear. The third approached the animal, and happening to take the squirming trunk into his hands, thus boldly up and spake, I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a snake. And then it goes on, right? Fourth, fifth, and sixth men, and they describe different parts of the elephant. And then it concludes, and so these men of Indostan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion, exceeding stiff and strong. Though each was partly in the right, all were in the wrong. These blind men of Indostan had different beliefs about what the elephant was like because they touched different parts of it. And all were right, right to a certain degree. But in the end, all were wrong, right? because their understanding was incomplete. When we think of God, I think sometimes we focus on only one part of God, and not the complete elephant, if you will. And that one part is his love. Okay, so I want to be careful here. I want to be clear here. The issue is not that God isn't love and that he doesn't love us. It's that sometimes I think we emphasize his love so much that we neglect his other attributes. 
as if that's the only thing about God that matters. Now, I believe relating to the Lord from a place of love is natural. Right? If we recognize the sacrifice that Christ has made for us on the cross and the grace and mercy that he extends to us, love is a natural response. Okay, but the problem arises when we make him a one-dimensional character, when all we see in him is love. Consider these questions. Are you able to come before God and worship him when you don't feel his love? Do you worship and praise him for his other attributes? Do you understand that love is not God's only motivation? Do you have a healthy fear of God because he is holy and just? These questions distill whether we see God as deserving of our worship even when we don't feel like it. That his character is intact even when his love seems absent in our lives. These particular verses, some of them, they point out that God is to be feared and not just loved. Right? Fear of God is mentioned over 300 times in the Bible so that we would learn to walk in respect of God and in obedience to him. But have you ever found yourself excusing your sin Because God is love, and God will forgive me. It's okay. I know I have. Some hard words, some strong words, Jesus says in Matthew 10, 28. He says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid. Okay, fear the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Strong words from Jesus to his disciples, directly to his disciples. The perception that God is just love, it masks the fact that he is also holy and just. And he should be worshipped and obeyed simply because he is God. About two years ago, I decided I would try to read through the Bible. this This is my Bible. I started at Genesis 1, okay? and I wish I could tell you I was done. <laughs> it's been two years. It's been over two years, I'm sure. Okay, I'm not even close. But I did finish the Old Testament a couple of months ago. So I spent the last, the better part of the last two years just reading in the Old Testament. Okay, and I have learned so much about God. Through regular time in his word, God has revealed more and more of himself to me. I've learned things that make me feel really good. Right? God's love, reading about God's love, his patience, his compassion, his long-suffering. But I've also learned things that have been difficult for me to accept, like his righteous anger, his justice, and the way he holds his people accountable, which often resulted in the exile, right, of the Israelites and punishment, and not just the grace and mercy that we're so used to hearing about. 
Maybe you can relate to this. And I know a lot of you have read the, read the Scripture and the Bible throughout. But there were whole sections of Scripture in the Old and New Testament, and even Jesus' own words, that I couldn't reconcile with just a God-is-love theology. But they began to make sense when I thought about God's other attributes, that love is one of his attributes. When we say things like, how could a loving God allow such and such to happen? Right? How could a loving God, and then you fill in the blank. That's a sign that we have maybe reduced God to just an entity of love. To just a love machine. And that God, despite all his other attributes, that he can't possibly act in any other way. Otherwise, we question his character. Right? I do it. I do, I do it myself. <clears throat> I guess you could say at times, as I've read through Scripture, that God has revealed more and more of himself to me, and he's revealed more than I was prepared to receive. But I think that's how he works. He stretches us and our understanding of him in much the same way Jesus did when he spoke in parables. Right? He would speak in parables, and people would scratch their heads and, and go, well, you know, what's the point? I get it. Um, right? He speaks in this way. He stretches our understanding so that we come to him. <clears throat> we would look to him for answers. We inquire of him. I'm gradually learning to deal with Scripture at face value. Talking to God about what I read, what I don't understand. Keeping in mind that God isn't defined by what I think. Remember the words of Daniel 4 that we mentioned earlier, 34 and 35. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? I think some of us need to take God out of the box we put him in. And we need to let him be. Just as there's more to God than just his love, there's more to his plan and purpose than just us. I don't know if that's a new thought to you, but let me, let me try and explain. When we see God as only an instrument of love, not only do we kind of minimize his character, it skews our view of life's purpose. If our only frame of reference to God is love and that he loves us, and the story ends there, okay, then everything becomes very us-centric. It's all about us. But I think if you read through the Bible, okay, and I know, again, I know that many of you have, I think you'll see that it's not all about us. <clears throat> God is the central character. Right? That's why Tozer, A.W. Tozer says, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. Who is he? Consider this. Let me give you the Bible in like 60 seconds. God creates the universe. 
God creates the world and everything in it. God creates man. Man rebels against God. God calls Abraham and makes him the father of a nation. God directs Joseph, Moses, and others, and he works miracles through them. God sends judges and prophets to call the people to repentance. Then the climax, the Son of God is born. He teaches his followers what true love looks like. The Son of God gives his life, is resurrected, and he returns to the Father. But the story doesn't end there. Right? God then calls his church, us, <clears throat> excuse me, us, to make his disciples, to make disciples and to advance his kingdom. Then in the final scene in the book of Revelation, every being worships God who sits on the throne for he alone is worthy to be praised. The point is, is at its core, the Bible is a story about God. It's about a story about God and his glory. He created all things for his glory. He created us to walk in fellowship with him for his glory. He has redeemed us and brought us back into relationship with him for a purpose. And that purpose is to know him, to love him, to call others to him, and to bring him glory. Sometimes the way we, I think, get the story turned around, we think that we're the star, we're the we're the focus of attention. Francis Chan, he's a um, pastor, a, a writer, an author. Francis Chan compares it to being an extra in a movie <clears throat> where God does all these incredible things in this movie. And we're in the background for like half a second. You know, like this is history. And blip, we're, we're, we're in the background like an extra for like half a second. And then we go out and we rent a movie theater, right? And we invite all our family and friends to come see this movie that's about us, right? Like we're the star. It's, it sounds ridiculous, right? But sometimes that's the way we seem to approach life, that God's purpose is to serve us instead of the other way around. In his book, Knowing God, J.I. Packard says, what makes life worthwhile is having a big enough objective, something which catches our imagination and lays hold of our allegiance. And this the Christian has in a way that no other person has. Right? We have this because we know and love and worship God himself. The rest of the world, they worship, right, themselves. God has blessed us and bestowed grace and mercy upon us so that we would convey that blessing to others, not just to bask in it. Are you a conduit? <clears throat> Are you a conduit of his blessing? Does it go from you out to others? Or does it just stop with you? In this church, are we a conduit of his word 
of the Scripture, of the Gospel? Or does it just stop with us? Don't let it stop. Right? In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. <clears throat> God is in the process of restoring all things for his glory. That's his plan. That's his purpose. And we're a part of that plan. <clears throat> but we're not the ends. Okay. Does God love us? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you read the scriptures, you understand. <clears throat> Nothing here diminishes his heart for us. Is he preparing an eternal home for his children? Yes. Yes, he is. But the underlying message of the Bible is not about us. It's much larger. It's much more grand. It's about God and his glory. And it's about how he brings all things together under the worship of him. That's, that's where all of this is headed, right? In Revelation, to the glory of God. Let me give you a few final verses. Psalm 115.1 says, Not to us, Lord, but to your name be the glory, because of your love and faithfulness. Romans 11.36, For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Psalm 24, 9 and 10. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift, up, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. <clears throat> so I've said a lot this morning, thrown a lot of scriptures at you. Um, I think I've led you down some zigzagged paths that I hope you're able to follow. Um, if you have any questions, please feel free to come talk to me. Um, we serve an awesome God. Amen. We serve an amazing God. And I want to encourage you to open your heart and open your mind to him. Receive his love because he is a God of love. But know that he is also holy and righteous, sovereign and just, good and gracious. Do not make him one-dimensional. Do not put him in a box. He is the great I am, worthy of all our worship and praise. And consider the grand purpose to which God has called you to, right? To impact the world for Christ. Impact your circle for the Lord and bring him all glory and honor and praise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we um, just pray that you would help to uh, plant your word deep in us. 
to help us understand, Lord, what you want us to know. I pray that you would bless each person here. You would help us in our, just our thoughts and our understanding and that we would turn to your word. We would seek you. We would, um, uh, we would ask of each other. We would question our brothers and sisters. Uh, we would share with each other and, and work through this together. Lord, we pray, though, that we would come to a place of knowing that you are God, that you are God Almighty. And there's so much, Lord, we don't know about you. What we do know, we pray that you would continue to grow and expand our hearts and our minds, that you would help us to encourage one another. And we ask for your blessing upon us. Thank you, Lord, for your love, your faithfulness, your mercy and grace, but also your sovereignty and your power and your eternal glory. In Jesus' name, amen.